Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. I want to start off with a question is simply, when was the last time you experienced true and genuine joy? I want you to think about that for a moment. And if I can, let me rephrase it. When was the last time that you actually laughed so hard it was literally uncontrollable? Maybe that's a better way to look at it. When was the last time that you laughed so hard that it was so uncontrollable? I think there's something about laughter that is equated with joy and also happiness. And as we know that when we think about everything that's going on, and some of us have just finished finals, there's nothing to be joyful about. Uh, some of you already know your scores. So as you think about this, you're like, this is not a time for joy. Uh, some of you are working and you have end of the year projects that are supposed to be finished, different things where you have to close the books and you realize that there's a lot of stress. And the question is, how can I laugh? I could laugh at it. Like, I don't want to do it laughing. But think about the joy that comes um, during this time. And a lot of us, we don't have that. We're struggling with that. And that's why, as I was thinking, I'm like, if there's no joy in your life, at least you could just look at a baby and watch them laugh. Uh, I don't know, for the last like five minutes, some of us went into a different world as we saw the kids up here with their families. And we're smiling. We were laughing. And some of us might have still been sad because I'm like, why am I not married? You know, why don't I have a kid? I don't know. So... Maybe this made you more joyless. But if we could just be honest, as we saw the kids up there and as they were singing, presenting, which they did a great job, there's a joy that comes. And so what I wanted to do is I want want you to laugh uh, this morning. And we're talking about joy, and I I want us to laugh. So I'm going to show you this quick video of a baby who started laughing with a simple a simple act of his father ripping off paper. Now, I don't know about you, but honestly, if I came up here and ripped a piece of paper, you would just look at me like, what is he doing? If you see a student do that, you realize, oh, he flunked the exam, you know? (laughs) So when you think about this, you're realizing, oh, uh, there's no laughter in this. But I want you to see just the innocence and just the pure joy of this baby as his father decides to rip off paper in front of him. So let's watch this together. Okay, I can you not laugh at that? I don't know why, but as I was looking, it looked like a Bible study uh, that some of us... <laughs> that some of us leave behind. <laughs> Wouldn't it be awesome if we could laugh like that? When things are going well? And especially when things are not going well. And we're going through a lot of different stresses in our lives. Something about babies and kids, uh, small kids, that they are so easily amused to the point where sometimes at the dumbest things, like ripping up a piece of paper. And the thing about kids is that they don't mind if you do it over and over and over again. In fact, I think when you start getting older you lose that sense of innocence, the simplicity of life. And so we're tired of monotony. We want something different. But if you think about it, kids, 
they always want to do things over and over again. And those of you who are not parents, you don't fully understand it. Wait until you have kids. They're going to ask you to do it over and over again. And after the first couple times, you don't mind. But after that, you're like, oh my God, not again. Because something about getting older, we lose the simplicity of even monotony that God can use to bring joy to our hearts. That's why I love what G.K. Chesterton said in his book, Orthodoxy. He says this, because children are abounding vitality because they are in free, of spirit fierce and free. Therefore, they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun and every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. Kind of like that childlike faith, childlike heart. Something about it slowly diminishes or wanes away because we face life, the stresses of life, the hurts of life, the reality of life. And we get to a point where we realize that, yeah, there are so many things that you could put your hope in but it can surely disappoint you. So my question for us to think about is do you have this kind of joy during this Christmas season? Do you have a childlike faith that laughs at situations and you are filled with the perspective that you need to go through life? I wanna, I wanna just pause here and make sure that we're on the same page because whenever we talk about joy or happiness, I think for many of us, we, it does not, and I want to be clear, it does not mean that we're smiling all the time. Can I get a good amen to that? Because every single time I see someone smiling all the time is that they're either denying certain things that they're not aware of themselves or they're faking it. There's not a single person who could always be smiling because there will be things that happen in your life. But the real reason why joy is so important to a Christ follower is because of what Christ did for us on our behalf. Once again, joy is a little bit different from happiness, and I'm going to explain a little bit about that. It's different because it's in terms of perspective. Two people can see the same thing, but they can come to a different conclusion. And people with joy have this kind of perspective. They see things from God's perspective. So what is the definition of biblical joy? I want to talk about this really quickly. I want to give you a biblical definition, and hopefully through that it will build the case on the story that we're going to be reading in Luke chapter 2. The word joy in the Old Testament and New Testament gives us this fuller picture of what God intended that word to be and for us to experience. Let me first talk about joy in the Old Testament. The word joy in the Old Testament is simcha. And that word means gladness. And the root of that word is simply rejoice or to exult. It appears over a hundred times and more than a hundred times in the Old Testament. 
And it's, it, it's very significant. You'll see this all, especially throughout the Psalms. You'll see this idea of rejoicing, being glad, exulting in God. That's why in Psalm 32, verse 11, it says this, be what? Come on, say this. Glad in the Lord. So we see that word. And then it says, and what? Rejoice. We see that word again. And it says, O righteous, and shall for joy all you upright in heart. So this idea of joy is in the context of rejoicing as well as being glad in the Lord. Now the joy, the word joy in the New Testament is the main word kara. And that word is an important word because it simply means calm delight, this inner gladness, also rejoicing or rejoice. And then this is interesting, that word kara means grace. So therefore the word joy in the New Testament has this connotation or this idea of rejoicing because grace has been received. That's why we have this inner calm, an inner delight, the inner gladness. It's simply the awareness and the understanding of God's grace through Jesus, and it's our response to it. That's why, once again, you don't have to be smiling all the time, but if there is no joy in your life, then what you have to question is that, have you experienced God's grace? Or you might have forgotten about the cross and what the gospel means, because when you genuinely experience the gospel, it will bring joy into your hearts. That's what separates the worldly joy or the happiness compared to the biblical understanding of joy. Matthew chapter 2, verse 10, and this is what the kids read today. It says, when they saw the star, they what? Come on, say this. They rejoice exceedingly and with great joy. So there's this rejoicing, and it's exceedingly, and it's with this great joy. It's not just joy, it's this great joy because they saw now the Messiah being born. Therefore, we put it all together. Uh, I'm going to give you my biblical definition of joy, and it's simply this. Joy is when we choose to respond to circumstances in our lives with trust, contentment, and satisfaction with a heart of worship because we know God, who is not only worthy of worship, but he is in control of all things. Do you have this kind of joy this morning that simply says that I am going to choose as a decision that you choose to respond because it's a response to the grace of God in your life to circumstances, external, internal, mental, whatever circumstances you're in that's outside of us or inside of us with trust, contentment, and satisfaction and this is the key with the heart of worship. And I'll share a little bit more about that as we look into this. That when a person has joy, they have this heart of worship. Because they know God. They know who he is. They know the promises of God. Because they know that he alone is worthy. But not only that, but that he is sovereign, that he's in control of all things in this world. I love what Martin uh, Lloyd-Jones said, a famous preacher. He says this. He says, joy is something very deep and profound, something that affects the whole and entire personality. In other words, it comes to this. There is, one, there, there is only one thing that can give true joy, and that is contemplation 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. He satisfies my mind. He satisfies my emotions. He satisfies my every desire. He and his great salvation include the whole personality and nothing less. And in him, I am complete. Joy, in other words, is the response and the reaction of the soul to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to get that. When you know God through Jesus Christ, you understand who He is and what He has done for you. As you contemplate, behold who this Jesus is, you'll realize that joy will begin to show. And here's Jesus coming into this world by being born in Bethlehem and then dying on the cross in Jerusalem. It was a clear demonstration of God's love for us Therefore, we can have joy. So let me give us the one thing. The one thing is simply this, that God's love is immeasurable and it gives us joy unspeakable. That God's love for us is immeasurable and therefore it gives us this joy that is unspeakable. When we understand how immeasurable God's love is, then it will naturally lead to this unspeakable joy in our lives. And as we talked about all throughout the book of Romans so far, throughout chapter 4, is that God demonstrated his love. And we'll see this in chapter 5, that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. He sacrificed his life for us. And so when we think about the suffering that Jesus went through, and then also the death that he experienced on the cross, we cannot deny that he loves us immeasurably and immensely. From there, as you understand that more of who God is through Jesus Christ, what he has done, is to fill your heart with this joy that's unspeakable. You cannot even contain it. And so it's through this understanding and experience of the gospel that we're going to be able to have joy. So let's, with that in mind, with the biblical framework of joy, let's look into this passage in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 12. It's going to be up here if you want to... Uh, just kind of follow along in your, in your head. It says this, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So we're looking at this passage and talking about this great joy that we have that's unspeakable. Let's first focus on verse 8 and 9. We notice the backdrop of this beautiful story about the birth of Christ. In verse 8, it says, in the same region. Why is this significant? Because the same region is referring to Bethlehem. Now, why is Bethlehem significant? It's because that was the prophesied place where the Messiah was going to be born. God, in His control, in His sovereignty, caused so many things to happen that led Joseph and Mary to have Jesus born in Bethlehem. Because that would not have been the case if the things around them did not force them to Bethlehem. So God used circumstances, situations to allow His will to be accomplished. And one thing that we notice here, it says here, in that same region of this significant place of Bethlehem, it says some shepherds were out in the field who were watching over their flocks. Now, it's important to know that all the people 
in Bethlehem, out of all the people, the angel of the Lord decided to appear to shepherds. So here's my question. Why to the shepherds? Why not to some of the religious leaders? Why not to some of the business people? Why is it that Jesus appeared to shepherds? And as many of you know, they are usually not considered the high end of society, but they are on the lower echelon of society. And this is consistent with what Jesus does for the rest of his life here on this earth. That he always goes to the people who are in the margins. He loves the ones who are hurting. He goes out to the people, not the religious people, but to those who are humble. And he says, come and learn of me. To cast your burdens upon me. And to learn from me. And and all the yoke that other people have placed on you, may those things be gone. So this idea that whether you're rich or poor, famous or not, no matter what kind of background you have, this gospel is for you. Can I get a good amen to that? That the gospel is for all people. It's not just people who earn or can do a lot of things, but it's by grace, which is undeserved. I was thinking about this and I said, well, what would it have been like for for myself in that moment if I was a shepherd? I'm guessing it was probably an ordinary night something that I've done time and time again every single night, watching over the flock as they grazed upon the fields. And I'm wondering how many nights that they have kept over or kept watch over their flock. And little did they expect that tonight was going to be the night that the Savior was going to be born. But that's the beauty of the gospel message. When we least expect it, that God does incredible things. The angel appears. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have experienced those moments where when you least expect God to work, He works? Can I get an amen to that? There are times when you know that you don't deserve something, but you receive it anyway. There are times when you're just wondering, how is this all going to work out? But later on, you look back and you realize, man, God knew exactly what He was doing. This is exactly what I needed. Not that I had that attitude during the middle of it, But looking back, I realized that God is so much wiser than me. He's more kind and loving than me. And so this night was like none other as the angel of the Lord appeared. And I want you to notice here that this appearance is a theophany, which is a physical manifestation of God. And I'm going to read verse 9 in the New Living Translation. It says, suddenly, okay, everyone say suddenly. An angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terribly frightened. The key word I want you to focus on is suddenly. See, God appears to us, no matter where you are or what you're going through, He can appear suddenly. And these shepherds were not expecting the presence of God through this angel. It was sudden. That's why they were terrified. If you look at the word, they were filled with great fear, Different translations use the word terrified, frightened, and afraid. So just think about this for a second. An angel appears when the shepherds were not expecting anything because it was like any other night, but God had other plans. And this is what God wants to do in your life. We're coming to a close of 2021. Did anyone predict a pandemic to happen in 2020? Some of us are like, 2020, this is the year. 
I'm going to get married. I'm going to get a new job. I'm going to do this. Just recently, uh, some of you, well, we're still in the middle of it. Uh, the executive team and I, we've been away just for our summit. And what we are doing is we're just kind of evaluating everything that happened uh, in the last four months as well as the whole year. And so we've had, how many sessions? I think about seven sessions so far, starting from Thursday night, all of Friday, and all of Saturday. And then after Sunday celebration in the afternoon, we're going to have uh, two more sessions, uh, a lot of sessions. And we're talking, we're praying, we're discerning. What is it that God wants us to do? And as we're talking and praying, one of the things that I've come to the conclusion is you could plan all you want, but God is sometimes going, ha, ha, ha. I mean, he's like that little kid. <laughs> you know, he's like laughing. Because we have all these great ideas, but God's like, you don't even know what's going to happen in about a month, in six months. And this is when you come to the realization, like, you, you got to be able to trust him regardless of what happens. And some of you right now, as you're coming to the end of 2021, there are a lot of things that happened this year that you did not expect. But God is still in control. Do you believe that? Turn to somebody next to you and say, God is still in control. He is still in control. Even though things are happening and things have happened that you had no control over, but God is still in control. And so what we see is that the fear that comes over them, the angel in verse 10 says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. We see the angel reassuring the shepherds by telling them not to be afraid. Now, one of the things you have to understand is all throughout the Christmas story, in different passages in the Bible, you will see this theme or this phrase of fear not, don't be afraid. It's repeated over and over again. You'll see this in Luke chapter 1, verse 13, 12 through 13. It says this, when uh, Zechariah saw him, he start, was startled and he was gripped with fear, but the angel said to him, what? Come on, say this. Do not be afraid. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Here's another verse you'll see in Luke chapter 1, verse 30, in the message translation, but the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. This idea of not being afraid, this reassurance, you have nothing to fear because I am there. The reason the angel told the shepherds not to be afraid is because there will be good news. You see the phrase, I bring good news? It is translated as I evangelize to you. Good news is evangelism, is sharing of the Messiah that has come. But why should this good news produce joy? We got this biblical definition from the Old Testament, New Testament of what joy is. And then we put it in the context of the story. And here's this angel says that, Be, fear not, behold, that I bring to you this good news of great joy. So the question is, why should this good news produce the joy? Now, if you know a little bit of Scripture, you'll notice that the Messiah was prophesied to come. All of Israel, the Jewish people, were waiting for this long-awaited Messiah. 
And that's why when the angel said and said the Christ the Lord, that phrase, if you study it, it simply means it's a reference to the anointed one or the Messiah. The anointed one, the Messiah, he is the good news. He is what I'm giving to you. I'm announcing this to you. I'm evangelizing this to you. And the beautiful thing is that it's not just for the Jews, but it says for what? All people. That's why this good news produces joy. It's for all people. That's why when they experience all throughout the Christmas story, this great joy, this gospel message, they couldn't help but to worship. We're not going to look into it, but you'll realize later in verse 14, it talks about they're worshiping, the heavenly hosts, talking about glory to God in the highest. I think it's so easy to lose the sense of joy in the gospel because our joy is too much like the world. What do I mean? When good things happen, we're joyful. We're happy. When bad things happen, we're sad, and we, don't, we, we lose the joy instantaneously. When things don't go our way. The early church experienced joy because they counted the cost of following Jesus. They had to surrender everything to follow him. Another thing is that they also imitated Jesus in his joy because of how he suffered, and he still had joy. If you look into the history, you realize the early church, they suffered. There was persecution, but they always had an example of Jesus Christ who suffered but yet still had joy. That's why I love what Max Lucado said in his book, The Applause of Heaven. He writes this, Jesus embodied a stubborn joy. I thought that was so, that's just that one sentence alone. A stubborn joy. A joy that refused to bend in the wind of hard times. A joy that held its ground against pain. A joy whose roots extended deep into the bedrock of eternity. What type of joy is this? What is it? What is this cheerfulness that dares to wink at adversity. I call, it a, I call it sacred delight. It is sacred because it is not of this earth. What is sacred is God's, and this joy is God's. It is a delight because delight can both satisfy and surprise. Delight is Jesus doing impossible things in crazy ways. Sacred delight is good news coming through the back door of your heart. It's what you've always dreamed but never expected. It's the too good to be true coming true. It's having God as your lawyer, your dad, your biggest fan, and your best friend. God is on your side, in your heart, out in front, and protecting your back. It's hope where you least expect it. It is sacred because only God can grant it. It is a delight because it thrills. Since it is sacred, it cannot be stolen. And since it is delightful, it cannot be predicted. It is God's gladness. Do you have this kind of joy? I'm just going to give us several verses with about three or four thoughts as we read the story that the birth of Jesus is now proclaiming that we have this great joy, the good news of great joy. And during this Christmas season, you have to ask yourself, do I have this kind of joy? So let me give us four thoughts, and underneath each one of them, a couple verses for you to meditate on. 
The first thing is this, as we consider this idea of joy, first thing is that we have to understand the source of our joy. Where does it come from? Who gives it to us? That will help us to know what, where we need to turn to, whom we need to turn to. You got to know the source. And here's a couple verses. The first verse is this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23, it says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, and everyone say that word, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So the source of joy is not through circumstances. It's not through what we do or what we don't do. It says it's through what? It's the Spirit. It's through God, the Holy Spirit. He's our source. Here's another verse, Psalm 4, 7. It says this, You have put more, what? Joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. It says you have put. It's only God that could put that joy in us. So here's the thing that I want you to think about. If it comes from God and it's from the Spirit of God and you're not walking with God and you're not abiding in Christ, you're not going to experience the joy. It, it, it would literally be like some of us plugging in a charger for our phone and we forgot to plug it into the power source. I won't tell you how many times I did that, but I'm just saying. <laughs> it looks plugged in, but it's not plugged into the power source. So even though it looks plugged in, you're not getting any power. And I've noticed that in so many of us, because we all have the external things of trying to serve and you faithfully send your soap, you do all these things, and it's a good thing. But the problem is you just do it because you're trying to get something done, but you're not really connected to God. You can do all the soaps in the world. Some of you are thinking, what is a soap, you know? It's a Bible reading program that we have. And we're reading the Bible, writing some of our observations and application. And you can do all the soaps that you want, but if that does not produce an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, you might as well be writing a paper on a particular topic in the Bible. Somewhere along the line, we miss the main point of it all. It's to help us to know God. And the more we know Him, the more we'll love Him. And the more you love him, the more you'll obey him. That's why you read the Bible. That's why you get connected and say, because you realize the source is God and God alone. And I need to be connected to that. Let me give you a different perspective. There's some of you in this room. You haven't been connected with God. You haven't prayed. You haven't even felt his presence. You're just living your own life. And I don't have to know you. And I could just say, if I were to just kind of walk alongside you, I could guarantee you, you'd probably get more controlled by your emotions and your circumstances than anything else. You cannot have this kind of joy that we're talking about in Scripture if you do not go to the source and get connected to God. You just can't. That's why some of you right now, in the midst of your busyness, in the midst of everything that's going on, you haven't been connected to God and you're struggling. And I'm telling you right now, God is offering you all of the power, 
all of the source that comes when you connect with him. We're closing out the BRP, the Bible reading plan this year. If some of you have been following with us for the last two years, you have literally read the whole Bible in two years. We're going to start up again in January 1st. And some of us who says, you know what, I'm not going to really do the BRP because I don't want to start from like Micah. I don't want to start from Obadiah. You know, so like I'm just going to do my own thing. And then once it's all done, then maybe I'll start. Well, you have no excuse now because it's going to end and it's going to start again in December or January. Can I just encourage you? Some of you have been a Christian for almost all your life and you've never read through the Bible. I'm not trying to shame you, but I want you to listen. If you're not connected to the source, I don't know where your power is coming from. It's probably from yourself. And if that's the case, then you're going to, you could be joyful for a little bit, happy for a little bit, but things are going to come your way. Trust me. You talk to anyone who's a little bit older than you or much older than you, they're going to tell you, young buck, that's nothing. There's more things that are going to come. Some of you haven't faced a death of a loved one yet. Some of you have. And you know the pain. You know the loneliness that comes. You haven't faced betrayal, some of us. You haven't been skipped over for a promotion. There are so many things in your life that's going to happen that's going to rock your world. Your heart hasn't been broken yet because you haven't really deeply loved And if you're not connected to the source, and unless God puts that joy in you because you're depending on him, you're abiding in him, you're not going to have joy. Let's turn to the source. The second thing is this. Not only the source we have to keep, be reminded of, but I want to talk about the significance of this. Let me give us just a couple verses. The first one is this. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4. It says this. Count it all joy my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Here's another verse in First Peter chapter 1, verse 6 through 9, it says this, and, this, and in this you, what? Rejoice, Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, uh, do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with what? Joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So the question is why, is, why are these two verses significant? If you go back to James chapter 1, one of the things you'll realize is all of us in this room are going to face trials. And it's just not one trial, but it says various trials. So when you face some of these hardships, the temptation is who are you going to turn to? This is the reason why so many of you are struggling with addiction. Because every single time things happen in your life, you have learned to associate certain things. 
It could be video games. It could be Netflix. It could be pornography. It could be anything that you turn to different. Alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever it is, you're turning to these things because what you're doing is you're numbing your heart because there are things that you're experiencing and you do not like them and your body tells you, your mind tells you, medicate it. Turn to other things. And that's how the pattern is built. This is why some of us feel like we're trapped under this addiction, whatever it is for you. And so what God is offering is you're going to face a lot of trials in your life. But when you tap into the source, you realize that in the midst of all these trials, it's testing, it's producing what? Your faith is producing the steadfastness or perseverance in other translations. So that you'll learn how to persevere knowing that there's something greater and more valuable in life than the things that you turn to. That you may be perfect and complete. Not perfection in terms of how you live for Christ, but that word perfect means mature. That you will grow up and be complete, lacking nothing. When you start lacking nothing, you're content. Can I get a good amen to that? You're satisfied. So you don't have to turn to these other things to fill you. You don't have to pursue all these other things to make yourself feel significant and important because you're already significant. You're already important in Christ. So the significance of our joy is that it helps us through the difficult times of our lives. That's why we're going to pray for it. We're going to get connected to the source and ask God for it. Even in, this, uh, uh, even in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, what does it say? It talks about, once again, this joy, rejoicing, and tested by the fire. That's how the joy is, because you're trusting in Him. Let me just quickly finish with the next two. So we have the source of our joy. We're talking about the significance of our joy. I want to talk about the sign of our joy. How do we know that we really have this joy? Listen to a couple of these verses. There are so many verses, but I just picked out two for each. Here's in Nehemiah, chapter 8, verse 8. It says this. Then he said to them, go on your way, eat and Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has uh, nothing already or nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved for what? The joy of the Lord is your strength. So it's not the joy of my own power. It's the joy of the Lord, his source, giving us this joy. And it says what? Is your strength. One of the signs that you have this deep joy that we're talking about is that when you feel very tired and you don't have power on your own, but joy comes. And that strength comes. When you're able to do things that are almost supernatural, not in your own talents, not in your own wisdom, not in your own power, but you're able to do things almost supernaturally and you don't even know where the strength comes from. You're just like, I don't know why I'm just wired up. Well, coffee too, but I'm wired up and, and you know, I'm excited. And, and you realize you have no reason to because you didn't go to sleep last night or you didn't, you know, you, you worked so hard, you did all that, but all of a sudden there's a strength that comes. It's because you have joy in the Lord. To me, this is significant because, once again, this can be a great witness. That it's not your power, your strength, your wisdom, but it's God. And you can point everything back to God. How many of you feel like you're losing a little bit of strength 
and you're just coming towards this end, you're like, I can't wait for holiday. Have you ever heard people say, I can't wait? You know, they're just living for the holiday. And what do they do? They do nothing, and then they get tired, like, oh, I need another holiday from a holiday. And they're just, again, bored. You need your soul to be renewed. And so here we see one of the signs that you have joy is that there's strength that comes that you don't know how to explain it. And that's why it's about dependence on God. When things are busy, you you have all these things you got to do, but you're able to still do it in the strength that God provides. It's because you have this joy. It's a sign that you have this joy. You're depending on Him. You're content in Him. You're satisfied in Him. You're trusting in Him. You're abiding in Him. You're remaining in Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. Here's another sign if you have joy. It says this, For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in what? Wealth of generosity on their part. Now, if you know this passage, you realize it's talking about the suffering that many of these Christians were going through. They were struggling financially. They were wondering how God is going to provide. But still, in the midst of that, because they have so much joy in God, because He's the source, and the significance of it as it's purifying their faith, what is it the sign that they have this joy? Generosity. So once again, I hope you catch this. The Greek word for joy is what? Kara which is a beautiful name for a girl if you ever plan on having one, okay? So it means joy. (laughs) Just seeing the kids, I don't know. Anyway, it means joy, but that root word is also what? What did I share? It means grace, where you get carissa. (laughs) Caris. So that word, grace, as I mentioned earlier, should then translate as a response to what? Generosity. It's not just money, and I want to make sure we're clear on this. Generosity in time, generosity in just your effort, generosity in just having a big heart. People with hospitality gifts, people who are very welcoming, Like, you know in a group that they've experienced the gospel and the grace of God if they're very open. I know right away because when I'm entering into, because I meet different people throughout the week, and when I meet them or go to a meeting or whatever it may be, you can tell if this group is really experiencing the grace of God because it translates into a very open heart. They welcome you in. That's why I believe racism is a sign that you haven't really understood the grace of God. Because you are now putting enmity between you and that other person because of something about them or something that they represent that you do not like. Then that means you have forgotten that there's a lot of stuff that God doesn't like about you, which is sin. But he loved you enough to receive you, forgive you, accept you into the family of God, when you experience that kind of grace, there, you should be one of the most loving people. I believe that with all my heart. Can I get a good amen to that? That's why Christians who are not very loving, that's an oxymoronic statement. Then whatever they're worshiping, it's not the Jesus that we know in Scripture. And I've spoken very clearly on this. I know today's someone like, what a joke. This ain't no election. 
And I understand that some of you who've been born here, grew up here, this is your home. It has changed in the last five years. I understand that. I don't, I don't fully understand it in terms of how much it hits you, hits my heart, but I'm sure it hits you really deep because this is your home. But because of governmental situations and other factors that are involved, it has changed. And if you're not careful, what you're going to put is you're going to put government and policies and laws above Jesus Christ and the gospel. So even though that person you might not like very much or their policies or whatever they have very much, the reason why you can still love them is because God has loved you. Can I get a good amen to that? At least be happy and joyful because you get free rides all day today. One of the signs of joy is generosity. If you've experienced the kara, the joy, the rejoicing, the grace, it's a response to what you experience from God, then it's generosity. That's why you can always tell within a church or even a community if they're experiencing grace by their generous hearts. Do they open up their homes? Do they welcome people in? Do they give when there's a need? Do they make the time when everyone's so busy? Do we make the time? Because God made time for us. And the last one is the spread of our joy. So we got the source of our joy, the significance of our joy, the sign of our joy, and the spread of our joy. Let me give you these two verses. It says this in Psalm 16, 11. It says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. See, there is something about being in God's presence that fills you with joy that makes you very attractive. Okay, let's go, let's go with this. It's not in my notes, but let's go with this. You saw all the families up here. You saw all the children here. And you're sitting there, oh, I wish that was me one day. Can I speak some truth to you this morning? I know we don't like to hear it, but let me tell you. You are going to have to wait a little bit longer because you have no joy in your life. And let me explain why this is significant. Because nobody, well, maybe those real weird people, but it's getting hot. I think it's my sweater. It's getting hot. Nobody. Okay, 0.00001% somebody. But nobody loves to hang out with party poopers and Debbie Downers and like, oh, life is hard, and they complain. If you do, you have a problem. Because what do they do? They rob the joy out of you, right? You're having a pretty good day, and all of a sudden you meet that person, and they're like, I'm, 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 and you're like, <laughs> Whatever joy that was in there, it's like, poof, poof. <laughs> and then they start filling you with their toxicity. And then you're like, yeah, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then you, what, it's like a virus. It starts spreading. That was one of the reasons why I was attracted to my wife. Those of you who know her. She's always smiling. I'm like, is that real? 
those of you who do know her, right, she, there's so much joy, this inner peace, because I caused a lot of havoc in her life, you know. <laughs> out of, yeah, <laughs> out of all the available candidates, not that they were interested in me, but just they were single. <laughs> Let's get this straight. All the single people that I had a choice from. And you know, guys, this is where we should be thankful. As we get older, the pot increases. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, so <laughs> those of you who don't know what I'm saying, just forget it. Just move on. But one thing that I would say is that I saw so much joy and this heart of gratitude, this heart of generosity, that I'm telling you right now, it is very, very attractive. Some of you don't have the money to do the facial massage and pluck the hair and do all that, you know, kind of stuff. But can I just share this with you? There's something you could have for free called J-O-Y. Put that on you for a little bit. And, and, and go ahead. P put on the selfie mode. <laughs> it might actually transform your life. I better stop here. I, <laughs> you spread the joy when you are in the presence of God because there are pleasures forevermore. As you experience things of God, it's going to spread to other people. Last verse, John chapter 15, verse 10 to 12, it says this, If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that you may be in, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And then in verse 12, it says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Isn't it interesting that he actually talks about this command of loving one another right after he talks about this joy and being in this relationship with God? That's why I'm a firm believer as you get to the source, you understand the significance of this. And as you begin to process this in your life and it starts showing through signs that, wow, this person is different. That's when the joy will start spreading to other people. So once again, we see the source, the significance, the sign, and the spread of our joy. Do you remember what the one thing was? Is that God's love, which is very, it's hard to measure because it goes deep. That's what gives us this joy that's unspeakable. I'm wondering if you have deeply meditated or saturated yourself in the love of God. That's why when the Savior was born, there were people who were longing for the Savior and they were filled with this unspeakable joy. Do you have this kind of joy? Can I just give us some things to follow through on? If one day you want to be up here with your kids. <laughs> just so you can love Jesus. That's the main thing, okay? Whether you're up here or not, whether you're married or not, come on now. The first thing is this. 
speak truth of God's word to yourself. I think that's something that we really got to be committed to. Speak to yourself. Because there's a lot of things that are spoken to you. The media, the world, other people, inner voices, Satan, speaking lies, things that are not true, that feeds your doubt, that feeds your unbelief. Get into his word and speak those truths into your, into your life. And anything that's trying to steal or rob your joy, speak to it. God, I'm in your presence, and in your presence there are pleasures forevermore, delights forevermore. And you can offer that because you're the one who put the joy, puts the joy in my heart. Speak the truth of God in your life, and you'll start seeing joy come forth because the truth will set you free. The second thing is this. Surround yourself with joyful people. That doesn't mean ditch everybody who's like complainers. That's not good. Because we're going to be loving. Maybe this is the best way. Balance out your life. So let's say you have five friends and they're all joy stealers. At least get a couple more joy givers. Can I get a good amen to that? Balance out your life. Don't get the person who's laughing all the time because they could be laughing at you. I'm just wondering, the baby, the baby that's laughing, I'm wondering if he's laughing, Dad, you're so dumb. Ha, 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 You're ripping a piece of paper. You think I'm laughing? I'm laughing at you, Dad. You know? But you know what I'm talking about? Just these joyful people, regardless of circumstances, they can still praise God. They have the sense of hope. They have strength. Fill your life. Surround yourself with some of these people. At least have one or two in your life. You could probably find them, and they're probably close to you, but you just haven't taken the time to develop those relationships. They're probably in your life group. Find those people. Get mentored by them. Get discipled by them. Spend time with them as your peer. Get to know them to experience this kind of joy. And the third and last thing is this. Start to have a praise and prayer mindset. A praise and prayer mindset. What do I mean by that? I believe a lot of the battles are lost up here. It's not when we sin to addiction or whatever it is. The battle is lost first here. So when you're struggling, when things are hard, instead of complaining, instead of doing all this stuff, set your mindset on praise and prayer to be able to say, God, I know what you have done for me. I'm going to worship you. Maybe you have to pull out that guitar. Maybe you have to put in a different Spotify playlist. And listen to some praise and remind yourself and sing along with that. Maybe some of you have to pause and just pray a little bit and change your mindset. Say, God, I can't do this, but you can. That's a heart of dependence that we need. I'm going to close uh, with this video that I think is appropriate to what I've been sharing. I think there are a lot of things that we pray for, a lot of things that we want to see happen in our lives, but it doesn't come. And we don't know God's intent. Sometimes we just know that He loves us, that He wants us to trust Him. And there are a lot of good things that we want, but for some reason God is not providing, whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship, whether it's certain things in our lives that we feel like we need. And it's almost as if God is silent. And I'm going to tell you this. This is the test. 
This is the trial. Do you believe? Do you trust that he will work in his timing, not yours, in his timing, in his perfect ways? Because once you surrender and you are now willing to say, God, whatever you want, in, in his impeccable way and his impeccable timing, he shows us that he alone can do the miracles, like sending a Messiah at the right time. This story is about a couple that wanted to conceive and have a baby, but it wasn't happening. But just through prayer, trusting in God, God gave them a Christmas miracle. And I want you to see this and put all this stuff that we talked about today about joy together. Not only the source, the significance, the sign, but the spread of this joy to this world who is such a great desperate need of hope and grace, love, forgiveness that only comes through Jesus Christ. So let's watch this together and then we'll come back up and then we'll just close out with prayer as we worship the Lord. I'm going to ask us just to bow our heads for a moment. You can just close your eyes. Why don't you take a deep breath? Will you do that? Just take a deep breath. And I know some of you men are watching. They're like, okay, whatever. Like, I can't relate to this. But I hope you got the point. It might be not a baby that you want, but maybe a job. Getting into that grad school or working for that company, finding a relationship. There's so many things that our hearts desire and we're waiting and we're praying, trusting, but it seems as if nothing is being answered and to no avail. I'm not gonna give you false hope and say, well, in God's time, he'll give you all the things that you want because some of the things you want is not the will of God. But I will say this, when you are in his presence, because he is the source of all joy, he will either allow you to be content and trust in him for his timing, or as you're in his presence, he's gonna change your heart. The things that you desire will no longer be the things that you desire. And he's gonna give you desire for something else. That's how God works. Three some years they've been praying. Hope almost gone. And December, what day was it? 25th. But here's the good news. That there was someone else born into this world. And that's Jesus Christ. And he came into this world unexpectedly. And he literally transformed the world. If there's any more proof or evidence that you need of God's love, I want to just look at, I want to challenge you to look at Jesus Christ and the things that he went through while he was here on this earth. Not just the cross, but just everything he went through. Betrayal, hardships, difficulties, drain because people were coming to him wanting to get healed, doing ministry and feels like he has no more strength. But he always had time to, in solitude 
because he knew that that's where strength comes from. That's where that relationship with God the Father. I'm just wondering if some of us here this morning as we enter into Christmas this coming week that we need to be reminded that joy sometimes is not what you really seek because joy is a byproduct of knowing Jesus Christ. Maybe what you need to know this coming season more than anything else is more of Jesus. And then you're going to experience the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness, the generosity of Christ upon your life. And may that produce the joy that comes in spite of all the difficulties, feeling like you're abandoned. Some of you might be feeling lonely. Some of you are struggling through different things. That's where God will meet you, right in the middle. And you'll see Him work powerfully in your life. Let's believe in His goodness. Can I just challenge some of us? You might have come just today, or you're watching online just today. And if you have never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have not fully surrendered your allegiance to this King who invites us to this incredible kingdom, then you can do that this morning by simply humbling yourself confess your sins and say I need you and take this invitation and I want to enter in to this kingdom of God that I read about or heard about believe in your heart profess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that you will be saved going to church will not save you doing righteous and religious things will not save you it's through faith in Jesus Christ and I pray that you will make that commitment today. For the rest of us who are believers, our hearts should be overwhelming, bubbling up with joy because of what He has done. Can we just take a moment, just maybe about 40 some seconds to about a minute. Let's say a prayer of thanksgiving. Let's just thank Him for all that He has done. And let's pray for this joy which comes through knowing Jesus Christ. So say, Lord, help me to know you more, and then joy will come. Help me to be in your presence where there's fullness of joy. And let's pray that for even those around us, even as we think about the night of Christmas that we're going to be having. I can't wait to meet some of your coworkers, and family, friends, whoever they may be. My commitment to you is that we'll preach the gospel preach hope, forgiveness in Christ and the birth of Jesus and the real reason that we celebrate. And I pray that it will be a wonderful opportunity for you to continue to pour into the person's life that you want so badly to see them take that step of faith. Let's pray for the night of Christmas. Let's pray for the joy that will come forth as we spend time with Jesus more and more. Come on, let's just pray that for about 45 seconds or so. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.